Well, aloha and good morning. Welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Tuesday, June 2nd. My name is Jaron Oda, and I lead the youth here at Bridgetown Church. And this past Saturday morning, I took a walk through downtown after the first night of the protests for George Floyd. And after walking through the ravaged and honestly pretty severely damaged downtown area of Portland, I read a piece of graffiti on one of the pillars in Pioneer Square, and it said, this is your society. I didn't take a photo of it, unfortunately, because the worker was already cleaning it, but I wish I did thinking back on it. But anyway, after sifting through the immense damage and reading all of the various graffitis and messages and statements, that phrase stuck with me the most. The phrase, this is your society, woke me out of the slumber of my individuality. You know, the sense that I'm not black or white, therefore I'm not affected in this moment. Error. I am created in the image of God, and therefore I am witnessing the atrocities of black lives who are created in the image of God. You see, you and I live in a society where the Imago Dei is still being ravaged by racism and humiliation and violence and murder and even silence. And guess what? You and I don't get to escape from the way God made us. Richard Plass and James Cofield in their wonderful book, The Relational Soul, state that we were created with this relational likeness and we long for relational connection because God exists in a relationship of love. God designed us to be for another, and God designed us to receive from another. We are created to be interconnected. We cannot be unaffected by injustice, particularly as followers of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26, Paul says, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Dr. Brian Loritz, founder of the Kainos Movement, wrote a book called Insider Outsider, in which he articulates his experience as a black man in white evangelicalism. And in this wonderful book, he gives us an indispensable understanding of the vertical and horizontal dynamics of God's reconciliation found in the gospel. And this is how he explains it, page 97. Paul is clear when he says that our vertical reconciliation to God is of first importance. You can find this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. There can never be any true reconciliation horizontally with our fellow human without our first being vertically reconciled to God. This is a point our modernist friends missed. Truth must be firmly buttressed in God. Without this, we are but a stone's throw away from doctrinal error and spiritual malpractice. This is very key, what Dr. Lord says next. Any fair reading of the Bible will reveal the conjoining of the vertical and horizontal dimensions of our faith. And he goes on to articulate the symbiosis between vertical and horizontal reconciliation in our lives by citing Ephesians 2 in which Paul shows us the binding together of our connection with God and with our neighbor. Further down the line, he says, In almost every letter, 
Paul begins with orthodoxy and concludes with orthopraxy, with doctrine and then duty. And much of the orthopraxy has to do with the horizontal accoutrements of the cross, aka how we relate to one another. The Bible knows nothing of a vertical reconciliation that is not evident in horizontal reconciliation with others. An unforgiving Christian is an oxymoron, and so is a racist one. End quote. This is why Dr. Bryan's key piece of advice to any pastor who is seeking to transition a church into a multi-ethnic trajectory is this. Never begin by preaching on race relations. Always begin by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And soon enough, congregants will see that the two are inextricably linked. Amen, Dr. Brian. That is a good word. Now, if horizontal reconciliation is part and parcel of our discipleship to Jesus, in light of what we are witnessing, we must first listen to our black brothers and sisters. You see, one of my best childhood friends who is black, born and raised in Hawaii like me, but living in New York, told me in response to seeing George Floyd under the knee of that officer, he just told me, man, I can't get caught lacking. Which basically means while white people walk without care of what could happen to them, I walk investigating potential threats all the time. I can't get caught lacking. A few key leaders who are of color in our Bridgetown community have shared things recently. Like I don't have the option to rest from current information because any new information affects me intimately. Another person said, you don't get a break in between the wounds from Ahmad to Brianna to George Floyd and many others preceding them. You don't get a break in between the wounds. Another strong Black woman in our community who's a leader here said, for you, this may be a moment, but for me, this is a reality. Kali Thorn-Lod, the executive director of Kairos PDX here in the city, recently shared on an Oregon Live article that the death of George Floyd made her think of her own children aged 8 and 11, saying, I see their beauty and innocence, their intellect and brilliance, and I wonder how and when the world will snatch that away from them. And she also said at a conference recently, when we fail to see and hear people, we chip away at their humanity. Stephen Jackson, former NBA player and childhood friend to George Floyd, recently lamented with power and tears in an interview. And he said, so I'm sitting there watching this video of George Floyd. And my daughter tells me, dad, I can't leave you because I've seen what happened to your friend and I think you need me. My daughter is six years old. And for my daughter to see that and tell me that I need her at six, imagine the pain and frustration that's in my mind right now. Another friend of mine, Christian Dawson, who's a pastor and leader in Seattle, wrote in his blog titled, Why I Write About My Experience as a Black Man in America. And in it, he says, because the public has become aware of the unjust murder of two different black men this month, I have received loving texts from friends. Many of them ask where they can start or what they can do. The only reply that comes to mind for me is, help your kids understand. These real and very powerful words from these black men and women, I believe, are some of the many words that lead the way in understanding godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7, 
verse 10 through 11 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. Does that sound and feel at all familiar to you, even as you're listening to this? That sense of eagerness, earnestness, that indignation, this longing to see justice done. Whether you're white or Asian or Latino or native, those feelings that you may be feeling in response to these atrocities against the black community are deeply biblical. Remember Dr. Brian's words. Our vertical reconciliation to God is intimately tied to our horizontal reconciliation with others. And what's more is that godly sorrow, as Paul describes it, calls us to action. Not just introspection or elongated reflection or just a simple tweet. Even those, those aren't bad things, but there's more repentance, production. Godly sorrow is repentant and repentance is generative. And so in this moment, the family of God in sorrow is called to repentance on behalf of the silence of the church and the many generations of injustice and generative action as the people of God. And as the church, instead of passively laying back and questioning life and doctrine like Pilate once did when he asked Jesus, what is truth? Let us as Bridgetown Church live the truth and stand in solidarity with our black brothers and sisters who are nearer to the kingdom of God than the privileged care to admit. Remember Jesus's words, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be filled. Bridgetown Church, may we witness the reality of King Jesus' words in the black and brown lives of those in our very own community and our world who have stood and are still standing up for black lives. And may we participate in the horizontal reconciliation as the body of Christ. Christ in the vertical, Christ in in the horizontal. This is your society. And this is my society. And so with that, some small actions of renewal to consider for just today that I found incredibly helpful can be found on the Portland Monthly website. It's an article titled, Figure Out How to Help Portland. So would you go and take a look at that and it'll give you six really helpful and practical ways to be generative as the people of God in this moment in our city. The six things are show up, pay up, join up, eat up, sign up, and finally follow up. And so with that, I just want to close this time by praying the Jesus prayer with you all. This short prayer has been prayed since the 5th century in the Egyptian desert and offers us a tradition to teach us that in the words of Richard Foster, prayer frees us from anxiety because it teaches us to trust. And may this prayer teach us to trust in the one who holds our lives in his hand. And so now, would you just take this moment to pause wherever you're at listening to this and close your eyes and take some time to focus on the breath on your breath in through the nose and out through the mouth 
And as you're breathing in and out, I'm just going to pray the Jesus prayer and send us off for the day. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen. May you go in peace.